couples counseling everywhere we look. We got Devin and Tori, CT and Kyle, Emmy and Emmanuel. Is anyone friends anymore? Plus, we've got a boat day and a birthday party. Nelson is starting to make some feelings known. Everyone is trying to avoid the greatest human on earth, a.k.a. Big T. And TJ, oh, TJ, he's just casually rolling around Croatia with $4 million and $1 bills. It's the challenge, Spies, Lies, and Allies, episode 16 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to the challenge historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today on today's pod, a late night pre Thanksgiving podcast. We are, of course, discussing. Everything Spies, Lies, and Allies, episode 16. The final third of this season continues to impress the intensity, the pressure, the emotion of the game now that is truly being played is leading to some really, really good stuff as we were hoping for, as we predicted, and thankfully, as we are getting. We will cover all parts of this episode very, very soon. But first, a couple housekeeping notes. By the time you are listening to this, it will be Thanksgiving. Here's to hoping you've got all the turkey and stuffing and pie a person could desire, and you get to stuff your face all day long with some loved ones. I personally am most thankful for you, whoever you are that is listening to this right now. It's truly amazing that you come back week after week and listen to my ramblings on about my favorite show, this wonderful show, and I could not appreciate it more that you do. It means the world, and I just wanted to start off this whole podcast by saying thank you for that. And if I'm saying thanks... I figured what better way to do so than to drop some extra challenge content out into the world, which is exactly what I have done. If you are listening to this now, it means my first ever standalone YouTube video is live and available for all to see. In it, I pitch what would be the greatest season of the challenge of all time, simply called Generations. I had a blast putting this together. There are more more or less like two videos in one. It's kind of two halves of a video that go together. The first half more or less fix the challenge. And then in the second half, I take those fixes and incorporate them into my pitch to Buna Murray for the challenge generations. I lay out the format, the location, all of the teams, the twist, the whole damn thing. It's pretty awesome if I do say so myself. So you can find that and watch it over on YouTube. Search for Challenge Historian or Greatest Challenge Season Ever Pitch. Either one, you will find it very, very easily. You can watch it there. Now, one day it may run on this podcast feed as a podcast. The audio, you know, makes sense on its own. But uh, that, if it were to ever happen, will likely not be for quite a while, as this is a highly edited video meant to be consumed as a video. So that's where you're going to find it for now and maybe forever over on YouTube. So sometime over this long weekend, go check it out and let me know what you think. Let me know if you think I'm crazy, if it's not actually that good of an idea for a season, or maybe you agree with me that it might be the greatest season of all time. We will see. But go check that out. Thank you so much for doing so. And along with that and this podcast, we will also, of course, have our All-Stars 2 recap podcast to round out our week. That will be up by Friday morning, maybe by the end of the day, if you're listening to this on Thursday on the holiday itself. Slight delay as I, too, am going to be enjoying a large helping of food uh, tomorrow and will likely 
be falling asleep early in the evening or have other things to do than try to finish the episode and record the podcast. So that may get pushed to Friday morning. Apologies for the delay. Hopefully it's understandable, but I'm looking forward to that episode as well. All right. That's that. Thanks again for being here. I love you, and I'm ready to chat. Spies, Lies, and Allies, episode 16. So let's get to it. Up first, we must, of course, do our Cliff Notes recap and get our head wrapped back around everything we just watched. These episodes are long. So much happens. We've got to quickly recap it all before we can actually recap it all, if you know what I mean. And if you're listening, you Kind of at least do, because I do it every week. So here we go. Cliff Notes recap as quickly as we can everything that happened in the plot line, the storylines of this episode 16 of Spies, Lies, and Allies. Three, two, one, and we're off. We open the episode with a man while still calling Kyle a chicken and claiming he would smoke Kyle in a hall brawl. No problem. Also still going on, Devin blaming Tori and Amanda for Josh having gone home and all of Devin's problems. The next day, CT calls a team meeting between he and Emmy and not Kyle because Kyle and his distrust for Kyle is the only topic of said team meeting. The cast then gets a day to relax as TJ has got them a big old boat to go out on the ocean, swim and drink and have a great time away from the game for a few hours. Back of the house, it's you should apologize season as Emmy wants Kyle to say sorry to CT. He has no interest in that. Tori wants Devin to apologize to her, which he also has very little interest in doing. A daily challenge ensues called Million Dollar Heist. Each team has two duffel bags that they must use to transfer $1 million in $1 bills, probably fake ones, let's be honest, from their safe to a car a little ways down a path. You got to run back and forth. I imagine a lot of paper cuts were had, and Emerald eventually squeaks out the victory over a ruby cell that keeps coming up just the tiniest bit short. Back of the house, it's Kyle's B-Day, and they have a big old party for him, but the game quickly sets back in as it's wont to do. Big T makes it known to Tori that she will be nominating herself and wants to go in and prove she belongs in TJ's final. At nominations, it's not so easy, though. Emerald doesn't want Big T winning and coming to their team, so they consider putting in Tori in hopes of guaranteeing a victory and bringing her back to their team. But eventually, after some discussing, they go ahead and send in Big T, giving her her wish. At the lair, a pissed off Emmy who feels no one cares about her. She always has to be everyone else's weapon. She is called in to play against Big T in License to Chill. They have a large puzzle to put together, but as they are putting the puzzle together, every time TJ blows his horn, they got to go jump in, swim across and back an ice bath every time he blows the horn. With an assist from Uncle CT, maybe, sort of. He's doing a lot of yelling. I don't know how much helping he's doing. Emmy gets the win, taking her season total to 4-0 and in eliminations. Big T is sent home for real this time. Emmy rejoins Sapphire, and that is where we end the episode. Moving in, now that we have recapped Cliff Notes style the whole episode, now let's actually talk in more detail about the parts of the episode worth discussing. We've got a bunch of different things to run through here. We will start with maybe our the you know the the biggest criticism we have of an otherwise pretty good episode, and that is that we got both a boat day and a birthday party in this episode, and unfortunately, both of them were total total letdowns. Um, thank you for letting these people have some fun. Thank you for getting them a boat and let them going out for the day. Go ahead and show us more of it, even if it's whatever it is, even if it's not all that great. 
Again, this that is the type of stuff where we're looking to see a little bit more of that and maybe a little bit less of the actual competition portions, but I'm glad they had it. I'm glad they had the birthday party for Kyle. Admittedly, I ran to the bathroom during that commercial break and very uncharacteristic to MTV. They had a very short commercial break. I missed the first 30 seconds or so of the birthday party, but there wasn't a whole lot beyond that 30 seconds or so. So give us more of those events in the future, unless there just really wasn't anything, because especially, you know, at the birthday party, divulge just as any bar night or celebratory night does into just strategy talk and game talk but uh those were a tiny bit of letdowns but at least it was a good note that we were getting things of that nature so props for that at least then let's talk about uh we get a lot of Devin and Tori at the first half of this episode kind of finishing up what started and went down last week on last week's episode when you know Tori's on Emerald or not on Emerald anymore she's on Ruby she tries to conspire against Emerald that makes a big big scene everyone gets mad at her and as we see at the beginning of this episode Devin is fully blames Tori for Josh having been sent home and not helping protect the Emerald Cells guys on a guys day and helping them win and instead going against them in the last daily challenge as we talked about last week um, we sided a little bit with Tori in uh, this disagreement that Devin was being a little, a little too extra about it. It was not at all even acknowledging the fact that Tori is on a different team and that just allowing guys from her team to get sent home means her chances of winning a final drop significantly from an already low spot to potentially just straight up zero and that she's on a different team. She's not going to maybe go for that. The biggest moment of the whole thing on this particular episode between them is she confronts him. She just asks, like, hey, we're really good friends now outside of the game. I get that emotions got high, but all you got to do is just say sorry, and we move forward, and, you know, it's a girl's day. I'll protect myself. When it's a guy's day, I will try to protect you and get you to that final as well, but just say you're sorry, dude, and he just won't do it. (laughs) And uh, it's he kind of doubles down on last week where we – we didn't love the look for Devin, as always, with everything. We've always got to say this is a highly edited show. We might not see everything. The two of them, in particular, seem very chummy, you know, after the fact, in the aftermath episodes and in real life again. So there wasn't any, at least, long lasting hard feelings out of this. But regardless, what we're seeing, it doesn't look super great uh, from Devin's point of view. Of you might have overreacted a little bit before. And you might just, all you gotta do is say sorry. It's like if, it, if she's a good friend, how hard is it uh, just to say sorry? Um, and in that, I did leave one of my, the notes uh, that I, want, I highlighted, double I double highlighted in my notes that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned this on the podcast is during that whole moment, both in the actual moment, everything he's saying to Tori about, you know, it'll water down my apologies if I'm apologizing for something I don't think I actually did wrong um, in the moment and in the confessional immediately there. It, he sounded exactly like, Wes or maybe an early an early season Wes but as has been pointed out here elsewhere I got to give shout out to Johnny Bananas who brings this up quite often and a few of the other uh former or current cast members or regular cast members that like to compare anyone new to someone of old um it is brought up a lot that Devin you know studied at the school of Wes he and Wes I believe 
at least at one time we're good friends off of the show and then you know we're working together in the show last season they called each other best friends in the house the whole thing um but he definitely has learned at the school of west and in this moment i couldn't get it out of my head how much he he kind of sound it sounded like something west would say who sounds like who I don't know. I'm not going to say that type of thing, but it sounded like something I might have heard from a Wes Bergman 10 seasons ago um, as well. And just trying to think his way through a situation and maybe this being one of those situations where he can't quite get all the way there to turn our opinions towards exactly what he is going for. Um, So that's between the two of them. My other question uh, on the topic of Tori, if we're already talking about Tori, is should Tori have just volunteered to go into the elimination, taking her chances? Obviously, the answer is no because it's just it's risky. You don't know what it's going to be. And as we saw, you know, a, a puzzle and swimming through ice water, not exactly something that gives almost anyone an advantage outside of maybe a CT who has a true long decorated history of being really, really good at puzzles. Other than someone like that, no one has an advantage in elimination like that. If it's a toss up, you might go home. And so the answer is no, but it's fun to at least think about, or there's maybe at least an argument of if did, if she, she clearly doesn't want to go back to Emerald now, because if she was like, I need to be on Emerald to win, then she might be a little more okay with the, yeah, you can put me in, I'll call out big T and I'll take my chances that I can beat her. And if I do, I'll come back to Emerald and we've got our team back, but clearly One, she doesn't think Emerald is worth getting back on, and I do think by the end of the episode we'll talk power rankings way later, but uh, Emerald is the worst of the three teams now by the end of the episode. I like the three-person team of Ruby and of Sapphire more than I like the five-person team that's left of Emerald. So she made the right choice there, but really this was a kind of selfish thing for me that I was thinking about all season long. I have said that, hey, CT and Tori are talking in private again. Hey, CT and Tori going for a little walk, talking game. And I have predicted over and over that at the very end of the game, they would make a move to be on each other's team for the final. And this, I felt like, was that chance. I mean, uh, we assume it is literally the last chance. And we think all the women that are left are now in the final. This is the last women's elimination, one more men's elimination to come. But, uh, which I doubt, I have no no chance CT is going to be in that. Um So I guess her and CT joining up was not a thing. I was wrong on that all season. Next topic. Let's talk the greatest human in the history of human beings. I am, of course, talking about Big T. Gosh, dang it. She is just the best. She is is so perfect. She is such a wonderful person. Um, And it is such a bummer that for the second season in a row... No one wants anything to do with Big T, and we've got to listen to everyone on the show, except for Logan, we'll come back to momentarily. Everyone on the show do the look. Big T is the best person here. We love her. We adore her, but do not come on our team. Get away from me. Get away from me. Get away from me. And it's it's understandable, but it's also just heartbreaking to listen to, and for the second season in a row, and really multiple episodes on this season because she already got sent home the one time and we kind of had the full episode of everyone being worried about Big T being on their team and now we have to do it all again. Um, that's a bummer. Uh, and again, it, it's just it's just lame that they all say it like that and I, I totally understand it. If I was in the house, um, you know, I don't know. I might not even feel the same way. I don't know. I feel like she did really well on the endurance portion 
Um, and I don't think she's, yeah, I don't think she's an A plus asset in a final the way some of the people in the house might be. But I also, I just think she's a, a step above that. Like she's a layup. She's an anchor that she's going to drag us down. If she's on our team in the final, we're fucked. I don't think that's true either. I think she's a step above that. I think you could certainly win a final with her on your team. Um, but I get it. It just sucks that we have to second episode of the season that we have to listen to all of this against the greatest human walking this earth. I am very proud of how she handled all of this. Um, thought she had, I thought she was going to win the elimination. I thought she did really well in there, but when I saw the elimination, I was like, oh, all right, we got like an actual like toss up one here. This is basically just who does the puzzle quicker. The other part, as long as they're both willing to do the ice bath, we got it. We'll talk about the layer in full in a minute, but I thought she was going to have that. I loved the right before and right after everything she's saying, how willing she is to prove herself, how much she is willing to say, I want to prove myself that I belong in TJ's final. It is officially sunken in. We're now four or five seasons into TJ calling it his final, and he has officially warped all of their minds to believing he is the sole producer of this show. And now they all are, you know, I have to earn TJ's, I have to earn my spot in TJ's final. I, I just love it. Love it. Great job, TJ. Wonderful job by him. Um, speaking, we mentioned Logan before. Very interesting moment when Logan with brutal honesty clearly he and big t still have a very good relationship even if it's not romantic in any way but they still you know he's someone she looks to in the house uh that a friend that can tell it like it is to her because he tells it like it is when he lets her know straight up like hey if you want to stop losing you have to start acting like you don't want to lose he says something literally to that effect and, you know, brings up the donuts thing again. She's like, well, you hold me accountable not to do that. Brings up the, like, you're not running with the rest of us. Um, she basically tells her to her face, like, you're not training hard enough or doing enough to to win any of this stuff. And uh, she takes it well. So clearly there's a lot of trust between the two of them. And she's okay with him, you know, laying on the honesty. Um, but it was just it was very interesting moment to see. Uh, we hadn't really seen the two of them together much since the romance angle kind of fizzled out, but clearly they have still been, uh, connected in a, a deep friendship of some sort. If he's able to say that to her, uh, final thing on big T <laughs> jumping in the wrong car was hilarious. <laughs> um, it didn't cost them almost literally anything at all. Um, so I feel okay saying that it was hilarious. And I also totally get it. Those cars are the same color. The money's the same color. There's no, uh, to, uh, to my eye, when we were watching, it wasn't, you know, discernible. I don't think they had the cars super labeled. I don't know if there was like a square on the ground in their team color or what, but, uh, seemed pretty easy to get those mixed up. If you're like in a rush to make sure like, I don't want to do anything wrong. I want to make sure my team loves me. I do everything right. Hey, he says to go get in the car. I'm going to go get in the car and push the money around. We're going to dive in and, ah, oh, shit, I'm in the wrong car. Um, just hilarious. And just the, the indoor camera of, uh, she, I think someone else eventually was inside, but the indoor camera of someone just like crawling around on piles of money inside of a car was also just a very funny image to look at. So that was big T and kind of her storyline. Then we've got briefly, we'll touch on CT and Kyle, another kind of similar to the Devon Toria storyline carried over from last episode. Now, a new version of it now that Kyle is on the team with CT. Um, I need to do a deep dive. I, I admit 
Uh, I am a bad historian right now in that I can't 100% confidently bring to you the history of CT and Kyle and who has really you know screwed over who, who has wronged who more in the past. It has definitely gone both ways. So this CT posturing like Kyle every single season, you know, we I try to work with him and then he does me wrong. I'm I think, as Amanda mentions in the episode, it's a little more CT doing it to Kyle, or it's at least off just the top of the memory. It's a lot more of Kyle doing the little tiny things like last daily elimination, accidentally taking one stick of dynamite from their team, and then CT being like, yep, that's grounds for throwing you into, and you can't say anything about it. You're going into elimination, and I'm putting you there, but you can't say anything. You messed up first. I think there's this is not the first instance of that type of kind of manipulation by CT, who obviously one of, if not the greatest to ever do it, understands how to keep his hands clean by taking, grasping at any little grievance he can to give him a reason to do something dirty to another player. So uh, no, no shame there, I guess. But very interesting this episode, we get immediately the CT Emmy team meeting without Kyle because it's only about Kyle. We don't trust him. Emmy, uh, who we'll talk about momentarily, is now you know count the one counseling CT. The the voice of reason on the team is no longer Uncle CT to Emmy, but instead is Emmy to her crazed uncle saying, "Yo, he's there's only three of us. We got to work with him. He's a good player, and he wants to be your friend or whatever. Can we just can we just try? It's a Women's Day, by the way. Remember that when, when you, all of you guys never care on the Women's Day. I'm probably going to go into elimination. You remember that? Can we just be calm, work together?" And he's not having it. He doesn't want it. He wants to harbor that anger. The whole the whole back and forth between them is quite funny and will come up later in moment and or quotes. So that's CT and Kyle. And then we've already started talking about her. We might as well talk about her. The spoiler alert, the MVP of this episode, obviously, is Emmy. She dominates the episode start to finish. Um, we just mentioned, you know, she's now counseling CT, showing the growth in the game um, to now not only counseling CT, so her uncle CT, she is now counseling him, and Mr. TJ is now politely referring to Emmy as Miss Emmy, and so, you know, the two people she kind of very adorably, you know, gave these names and monikers to, and that we had good laughs every time she would say Mr. TJ or Uncle CT. Now it's come full circle. She's grown into such a player to be reckoned with that both of them have to put their respect on her name in a, you know, a switcheroo there. So very amazing stuff. Obviously the rookie of the year we've rebuffed. I think it was probably three or four episodes ago uh, where there was an aftermath where they just over and over and over were like, Emmy's the rookie of the year, the rookie of the year, the rookie of the year, where I'm like, and I think I said on maybe a Tuesday review preview podcast, it was like, hey, one rookie of the year, if if that's such a big deal, which it seems to be to you, like, let's calm that down. And if, if, if it is a big deal, let's not award it yet. There's still some time left. There's still some rookies left. And there's some people, even if they were here very short times, I really, really liked. But at this point, if there is such thing as rookie of the year, which of course, you know, I love awards. Of course there is. She's obviously got it. it it's not really close right now. You know, Logan, you can get your silver medal if you want. Um, I would have some nominees for third place for sure, but she is the winner of that. She's now four and oh 
in eliminations, which is becomes thanks to shout out Alan Aguirre uh, over on Medium. You can read his recaps, alanaguirre.medium.alanaguirre.com, something like that. Look up Alan Aguirre Medium. You'll find his wonderful recaps. Been writing about the show for a long, long time. Does a fantastic job. He is a better historian tonight than I because he quickly dropped the stats so I didn't have to look it up. Uh, the Emmy as a four and in eliminations is now the seventh player to win four or more eliminations in a single season. The record is five eliminations in a single season. Um, and that there's a few people who have done that. The one who did it and then one is Sarah Grayson way back on season seven, the gauntlet, a season you've heard me mention many, many times because I think it is one of the all-time greats and is also because of how early it was is a little bit lost to history. Those other players in that category, the most recent was Leroy on X's 2. Uh, the last female to do it was Laurel on Free Agents. And then we've got Sarah, as we mentioned. Derek Kaczynski did it way back when. And Wes and Casey did it as partners back on Fresh Meat 1 when they went 5-0 and but then did not quite win the final. So she joins a, a fascinating group of people who have dominated elimination rounds in their history. And Forno, and again, we, we don't think there's any, there could be any uh, female eliminations left. So she can't quite get to that 5-0 mark, 5-0 uh, champion and pull a full on Sarah Grayson and rookie year, five wins, win the whole thing. But 4-0, if they go on to win the final, is you know one of the all-time great rookie seasons for sure. So she's got that going for her. Final thing on Emmy, who we'll, of course, mention a little bit later again, and a lot of the other stuff we're going to talk about because she was the star of the episode, is should she be mad at Emmanuel? Uh, the very, very intro of this podcast, we mentioned the couples counseling that goes on. We've already talked about two of those, Devin and Tori, Kyle and CT. I think there's legitimate grievances to be had in those two uh, little counseling sessions that are going on. But Emmy and Emmanuel is the one that kind of surprised me a little bit. Now, I 100% back Emmy in the, you guys all just treat me as the weapon. It's just like, hey, Emmy, go in there and win. Just beat, take someone out again. We need, we want these teams to stay this way. We know you'll come back to CT. So you go in there, you do all the dirty work. You keep getting wins. You keep coming back and you're our weapon. I told Liam with her that, uh, I, the only thing I will say against her at all in that is this is the first we're hearing of it again, highly edited show probably has been said before, but, um, maybe bring that up earlier on or, you know, could very well be thing. Rookie in the game, as we talked about, has evolved wonderfully by now. And maybe now she's just now getting to where she has feels the voice to be able to say to a CT or say to her best friend, Manuel, like, hey, this is bullshit. Like, I understand the game at this point very, very well. And I see wh- how I've been used. And now maybe if CT, you know, way back earlier in the season is like, I think the best thing would be for you to go in then maybe she would react differently now than she did early in the game when she was like, hey, just, I want someone to tell me what to do. Uh, you seem to be the best. I will listen to whatever you say. I'll do whatever you say. I'll try my best. Um, maybe she'd feel differently. But if she would have been voicing this a little longer, I think it would have been received maybe a little differently. Who knows, again, the editing, if she if it, she waited until after the nominations completely to even voice this opinion of, hey, what if I don't want to go into elimination? This is a whole talk is basically throw in Big T, she'll pick Emmy, throw in Tori, she'll pick Big T. 
There is a version of that that I don't go in. I don't know if she brought that up or not prior to nominations. Um, but again, if not, I would have if I was her. Um, but I would say she's she's got a grievance to be mad, but specifically at a Manuel saying in confessionally, uh, like, this is my best friend in the house. We come from Romania together. We knew each other. And, you know, I'm not going to be friends with him now. This is that big of a grievance. I don't think that maybe level because, again, similar to the Tory Devon thing uh, last week is Emmanuel's sitting there being like, one, I'm the rookie on my team of five. I don't have that much of a voice. But two, I specifically am trying, you, like, I you are going to stay on the team you're going to, and I am going to stay on my team. So it's not like we're trying to team up here. And if we're trying to stay separate, then more the reason that we should each be trying to keep our teams as strong as possible. And I am trying to keep my team what it is or worst case have maybe a Tory come join my team. So I think Emmanuel, they're both kind of in the right. She has every reason to be super duper mad at the situation a little bit more than at Emmanuel specifically. Um, but he holds his ground uh, pretty well. And hopefully this doesn't damage their friendship in any meaningful way. Final two things to talk about then. We got to at least discuss the sporting events, the daily challenge itself, and the layer itself. We've kind of briefly hinted at both of them. The daily challenge, my grade for this week for this one, I would say we're going to go ahead and give it a B. Um, it, it can't be in the A category even uh, just simply because the endurance ones aren't that great of television to watch. But we, I totally accept that. We, if you're, if the finals are going to be what the finals are, and we're never going to, you know, start to adjust that down from a little less of a marathon level endurance sport, then it, you have to have a couple of the dailies during the season be the, you know, full on like kind of endurance challenge that this was. You got to have those. So even if they're not the best to watch visually or, you know, the most entertaining or suspenseful in the moment, um, they're still pretty good and they're still very much needed and necessary for the game. So I give it a solid B for those reasons. I like that uh, one thing I one as always I had questions going in that were slowly answered as I watched the game take out the biggest question was does everyone have to run every time which thankfully the answer was yes or clearly was I don't see anyone ever wait behind you can kind of go at different times but every time you go back and forth everyone has to go back and forth and that was key to make it not a huge number advantage the biggest team did end up winning but if this would have been hey the duffel bags the money just has to go back and forth you can do it any way you want then the team of five could have you know had rest breaks and be like all right you two run it this time we run it next time and so forth like that that would have been a bummer so i'm glad they had that rule in place everyone has to run the whole time that way you also get to gauge everyone's endurance levels for us at home to you know pontificating about who may or may not win or who's good or not good but especially those in the game getting to kind of gauge everyone see where everyone's at on that side of things um also love they can always see where each other stands amanda was seems to be the only one really taking advantage of this in that she was constantly going around and looking where the other teams was and trying to gauge and let her team know all right we're just a little bit behind we're just a little bit ahead we're tied with this team whatever um the blue team which by the way it seemed they could see everyone's every time they ran back and forth because it seemed like theirs was the furthest away. I know it's a small, you know, it's an extra 15 feet to be the first safe versus the third safe, but it should be noted 
Emeralds was the closest safe to the cars, and then Ruby, and then Sapphire. Small, but when you're running back and forth, I don't know how many times they went. You know, 10, 11, 12. They, they might have went 20 times back and forth between these. And guess what? Those 15 feet, then over 20 times, add up a whole lot. Just saying. Anyways, no conspiracies for Emerald to win everything here. But there might be. Anyways, uh, strategy wins the day. Um, you know, the Emerald cell at least is the one that says, you know, the less trips, the better. So that extra 15 seconds of all of us making sure this bag is stuffed a hundred percent full is going to add up and make things a lot better down the road. And it does, you know, maybe they just edited it to look that way, but it, it does pretty much pan out to that. They win by, you know, maybe 20 seconds over Ruby would have been right on their tail and get done. But the strategy wins the day again. Final thought on the daily challenges. Nelson, it's over. It's it's 50 plus now. We've we've cracked the 50 barrier of daily challenges in a row without a win for our guy, Nelly T. And I thought that this was going to be the one. I thought this was set up. Ruby team, you got some runners. You got, like, I thought Nelson was going to be the best in the whole house at this of running with that bag on his back, uh, which he proved to potentially be, but the team, you know, they just didn't quite have it. They were just a little bit shy, a little bit short. I thought he was going to get it. Maybe he's got one more daily challenge left. Can the streak be broken on the final daily to get him to a final? It would be a very poetic moment. I would love it. So hopefully he does that next week. Now, the layer, the other athletic event, a minus is our grade for the layer game. We really, I, re- I really, really loved uh, the game that they had to play. First and foremost, as someone who is a big fan of all cold therapies, cold tanks, plunge tanks, cryotherapy, anything gets you super duper cold. I'm someone who enjoys that kind of stuff. And I've got to say, the ice baths they were jumping and swimming through are no joke. Um, I don't know what temperature those were likely at, but I would assume given how much the ice wasn't all melting very, very quickly. I'm guessing those things were around 44, 45, 46 degrees maybe, which if you've never been in uh, you know, a cold tank or a polar plunger type of thing, that's really, really, really freaking cold. And putting your head especially underwater in that circumstance is really, really, really freaking cold. Um, it didn't. The ice really doesn't impact necessarily the actual puzzle itself because both women are, you know, once both of them are like, yep, we'll do it. And we'll, you know, do as fast as we can. There's, you know, they, no one really got a big lead or advantage at any point of how quickly they were going through that. Once they were both like, we will do it. We'll do it over and over. Who knows how much it's affecting them thinking through. Cause then you're just shivering cold the whole time. You're trying to put the puzzle together. Who knows how much that's affecting it. But the visual was amazing as they walked in. You're like, holy shit, what are these ice baths doing? Um, and then, you know, love me a good puzzle. The puzzle did seem to be, the pieces are huge. I don't know how heavy they were, but they seem to be kind of heavy too, which brought a little bit of a physical element into it. Um, hats off to Emmy for getting the win. Question, was CT actually helping? Um, or was he actually hurting as I think it was maybe Amanda again that said confessional, like CT just needs to shut up and let her do it on her own. He's not making any sense. He's not whatever. Yes. If you tell me you got a big puzzle and CT's willing to help you with it, I want CT's help on a puzzle, but I kind of agree with Amanda as, as far as what we were hearing, it didn't seem like he was actually being all that helpful. Uh, 
was interesting right at the beginning. He was like, hey, put all of the pieces down, like take them all off, put them on the ground in front of me so I can see them and I will tell you exactly how to put it together. The confidence this guy has in his puzzle abilities, which is very deserved, but are also extremely, extremely high. Um, so uh, that's the layer. That's the daily challenge. That's everything of note. Why don't we go ahead and move into the awards section of this podcast? There's a few other things we'd like to touch on, but they will all come up during one or multiple of the awards. So that's your majority recap. Let's go ahead and hand out some hardware. Award time. Let's hand out our regular five awards, best strategy, worst strategy, best moment, best quote, and episode MVP. Let's talk that best strategy first. Only two nominees here, not a not a, t- a strategy heavy episode necessarily, or just, you know, the late season here when we're really down to it, the, the strategies are pretty straightforward and there's only, you know, pretty easy one-off binary decisions to be made. So a little less strategy sometimes, but two nominees. One is Logan, who I just wanted to give another shout out for just, uh, he's had many moments throughout the season that we're seeing. He's a rookie that understands the game and is thinking through the daily challenges and the layers and different things very, very well. He does so yet again here, even if it eventually kind of backfires by being the first on his team and the first in the game to say, you know, Hey, big T you got to run ahead and you got to make room for this money to go into the car. If you're not, you can't carry the bags, that's fine, but you can still get ahead of us and help in this particular way. Uh, it was just a very smart observation by him. He sends her ahead. Yes, it backfires because she climbs in the wrong car, but that doesn't mean it wasn't good strategy by him to begin with. So that is nominee number one. And then nominee number two, because it seems to have legitimately led to the win, we've got to say Emerald. They went with the the less trips, the better strategy. And it did seem to, you know, we have to say it paid off one way or the other, whether we, it doesn't a hundred percent mean it was the better one, but they did win. So it kind of does. So best strategy, Logan or Emerald. And because one's an individual and one's a team, I'm going to go ahead and give the award to Logan. And just mostly, this is kind of a season-long culmination award for him, a kind of career achievement, if you will. I've been just very impressed with how well and strategic he has been playing this game as a rookie all season long. Now let's talk worst strategy. We've got three nominees there. The first is CT, and honestly, this isn't really even a bad it's not a bad strategy as far as the game is considered more of bad strategy as far as the show or life in general is considered. Can we just be a little nicer to Big T? Like, please, you don't you don't have to want her on your team. You can you can be honest about that. You can help Emmy a little bit, but it was pretty hard. It got it was really upsetting when we get the confessional from Big T during the elimination. She's like, you know, CT's up there trying to help Emmy win, cheering for her, not saying a word for me. And, you know, after last season, I thought he would at least, like, be a little bit more neutral about this. And and I'm right with her. It, it was kind of it was kind of rough and just kind of flashbacks to how rough certain moments last season were between the two of them. So, CT, could you just be a little bit nicer to Big T? That's all, that's all we're asking. She's the greatest human walking this earth. It can't be that hard to be nice to this person. But, anyways, that's nominee number one. Nominee number two is Devin. Just say you're sorry. It's not that hard, and it's deserved. At least from what we've seen, it's a deserved sorry. It's a deserved apology. It doesn't have to be over the top. It doesn't have to be dramatic. But just say, yeah, I'm sorry that I didn't take your feelings into consideration and that I didn't you know, think through, yeah, you're on a different team, and it's fine for you to play selfish the same way it's fine for me to play selfish. 
consistency, Devin. Anyways, third nominee then is Emerald as a team. Here's my question. Are we sure Amanda and Big T are all that different? Or should you just take your shot at getting Tori back? Should you say, yeah, should Devin have said a little more straightforward to Tori, hey, our team's putting you in because we want you back on our team. And if you're not on our team, you're a threat to beat us. So either you win and you're back on our team, that's what we want. Or if you were to lose, then the Ruby team sucks completely without you. So there we go. Because for me, again, I think Big T is not the anchor that she is made out to be. She might not be the greatest asset to a finals team in the world, but I don't think she's the full-on anchor. You can win with her. Same way I think you can win with Amanda. Do I think Amanda maybe is a touch better at puzzles? I don't know. They both have a lot of confidence in themselves in puzzles, and I'm not a good enough historian in this moment to remember any extraordinary moments by either of them. I think Amanda has more experience doing a bunch of puzzles and whatnot, but either way, I don't see a huge difference between them, so I don't think I'm super-duper worried of if Big T joins us. We're done for if her joining is taking Amanda's spot. I feel like... You know, it's either a very marginal upgrade or downgrade one way or the other, and that it's a risk worth taking if the end result is, well, if we put Big T in, she goes against Emmy. If Emmy wins, and that's what we're rooting for so that Big T, you know, can't join our team, well, then Emmy goes back to Sapphire, Big T goes home, and now you're looking at your team of five. Yes, you have more people, but I, as we'll get to in a moment, think you're the worst team now. Uh, I think Ruby and Sapphire, is lo- unless the numbers are that big of an advantage and they run these as finals as a team and it's five to three to three or, you know, five to two to three, depending on what guy goes home, uh, unless the numbers really matter that, that much, like Nelson, Tori, and Logan, that's a stacked team. Kyle, CT, and Emmy, that's a stacked team. Like, you might not be beating either of those teams in a final. So I think you should have, they should have taken their chance. That's why I'm saying they get the worst strategy. And because, you know, we didn't give them the award of best strategy, might as well give them the award for the worst strategy. So Emerald Team, you're welcome. You win the worst strategy award. I would have taken my chances at pissing off Tori and put her in and seeing what would happen. Even if, you know, worst case, if she wins, the worst case is she just goes back to Ruby anyways and you end up in the spot you end up in, but you at least took the shot at getting her back onto your team. And I think no matter how mad she would have been, I think she would have came back onto that team if for nothing else than to get a little revenge to uh, Amanda and send her back to Ruby. All right, that's worst strategy. Best moment, three nominees, best moment. First one, the CT Emmy meeting, the... (laughs) You've just got to accept him. Nah, I don't want to. Uh, you just you got to pick love, not hate. Well, I've got too much hate. I'm not. I'm not getting rid of the hate. The whole moment between them, the back and forth, the fact that Emmy can understand whatever CT is, you know, mumbling out of his mouth in these moments because this is a very classic CT mumble, angry mumble through something um, shows just where their relationship really is at now. It is a familial. Yeah, familial is the right word. Family-like familial relationship at this point. It truly is her uncle that only she can understand when he gets angry and mumbles and grumbles his words. Um, That whole interchange is is wonderful and amazing. Then the Nelson and Devin going back and forth in nominations. Haven't been mentioned until now, but Nelson clearly got some pent-up feelings. Nelson always won, even if in his history on the show he has a couple 
couple instances of maybe saying some pretty rude stuff to some women in the house. He also has a long history of both every time he has ever said something super rude, he immediately some nearly after goes back and emphatically apologizes. Like, I can't believe I did that. I'm so, 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 so sorry. But also has a bit of a reputation of if someone else is popping off a male to a female, he is quick to be like, hey, what we don't do that shit. Like I know I've done that sh- shit before, but we don't do that shit. What are you doing? And it feels a little bit like he's had some pent up, you know, thoughts and anger towards not maybe just Devin, but Devin and Josh, probably both in the whole Emerald cell of like, you guys aren't giving the women on your team that are carrying you enough credit. You're not giving enough credit to just, you have more people and that's why you're winning and you're not nearly as good in this game as you think you are. He finally lets Devin know that. They have a back and forth. There is a wonderful moment where Nani steps in and is like, hey, boys, how about we save all the bickering about the boys and who's good and who's bad for when? It's a boys week. How about we focus on the women right now because it's a women's week and we would appreciate if you shut the fuck up. Loved that from Nani. Loved the whole thing. Loved Nelson with the little aggression. Devin, again, was running this game for at least half of the season, if not more, was sitting in the most comfortable position possible and has been very much put on his heels, the pressure adding throughout these last few episodes. It seems like, you know, there's only one elimination left. If he can avoid it, he's going to make that final, but he is definitely having to earn it in the later stages of the games in a big, big way, not just able to ride that really flawless political social game that he started with to keep himself comfortable. Now he's in he's in the pressure cooker along with all of them. Then the third and final best moment, which I am going to give the best moment award to, is Big T, her pre-layer speech talking about you know where she comes from, who she's trying to inspire, what she's trying to accomplish on this show, what she's trying to prove to herself, just all of it is just, you know, the the 97th example that we have in the four seasons or five seasons with Big T in our lives that she is just the best. She's such an amazing person. It is very clear. It is not just like one of those times where it's like, oh, that person seems like an amazing person because of who they're surrounded by in this reality TV landscape. No, this she is clearly just an unbelievable, wonderful human being. Love everything about her, her story, her attitude, her you know belief system, talking herself up, being honest with herself, the whole thing, everything about it. And that pre-layer speech kind of embodied pretty much everything in a nutshell that we love about Big T. That is the moment of the episode. Now, best quote, which I will say right now, I am taking a risk by recording this before I have actually double-checked that I, there's a small chance that my recording of the episode did not work um, this time around and that I may not be able to actually play these clips out loud, but I am going to go on the assumption that I am. So if this is very weird where I say, and let me hear this person say it, and then you don't actually hear that, um, sorry that that's the way. I probably won't go back and re-record it. I'll just let it stand like that because it'll be funny, but hopefully you actually hear the words they say. Hopefully that recording did work. So first one, and actually... Two of the three, there's only three nominees. The quotes have really dwindled. If I got any uh, constructive criticism for the the entire cast is, uh, this is a cast of people that have wonderful quotes in them. I mean, we're talking Kyle, Amanda, Devin, Nelson, CT, Emmy's been bringing it a little bit. Logan and Emmanuel, even his rookies have been bringing it a little bit. We got lots of people that are capable of saying real, real entertaining stuff in the confessional booth. And we haven't got nearly that many nominees for best quote the last couple weeks. This week, we have three of them. Two of them belong to Amanda. In the beginning, after 
kind of a moment and then a quote that would come after it, but the moment of when they're all sitting, talking, deliberating of, all right, what should we do, Emerald Cell? And Devin brings up the, well, we don't want Big T to join our team. That's where we start. And in instant, without any reaction time, Amanda's like, well, then we should throw in Tori. (laughs) And just knowing the pot that's going to stir. And she has a wonderful confessional quote immediately after on that topic. So let's hear that from her. We should vote in Tori. If it were up to me, I feel like maybe Tori would be our best bet. To make a team weak, you need to take out a strong player. Hello? Does anyone get this concept? No? Okay, cool. Put in Big T. If Tori. Second one, then also from Amanda, is <laughs> during the elimination, the puzzle, We she drops in with a... Well, anyone can lift, anyone can run, but not everyone can do the puzzles like I can do, which uh, we will play her version of this in a moment. But uh, uh, let's actually just start by playing that version and then I will comment on it. So let's hear her, her version of anyone can do certain things. Only some can do what I can do. Puzzles are definitely equalizers because, you know what, anybody can lift weights, anybody can run back and forth, but guess what, when it comes to a puzzle, let's see how your mind is. Must be said that the third part of that, correct, uh, not everyone is very good at puzzles, but also, let's correct the first two parts of that. The anyone can lift or run, um, no, clearly not. Uh, It's pretty pretty big factor hitting the game, who can run the most, and uh, at times, specific times, not as much as it is kind of made out to be, but there are certainly times where it matters how big or strong you are in some of the daily challenges or some of the eliminations, so it's not a, not quite as simple as she puts of anyone can do all this other stuff. We all can do that, The only, but only some of us can do puzzles. That's why I'm important. Uh, not quite following the logic on that one, but love the quote. Then third and finally, Nelson also during the layer, <laughs> I can't even bring myself to say the word he used, but he has a commentary on how cold it looks to be. And not only does it look like someone might be getting hypothermia tonight, but they may be turning into something that I am not willing to say. So we've got to hear it from Nelson himself. Take it away, Nelly T. Come T. This elimination is called License to Chill. Their objective is figure out a puzzle. And when TJ blows a horn, they got to get in this ice cold, freezing water, swim all the way to the bell. Somebody's catching hypothermia. Somebody's turning into a Nelsicle. What exactly is a Nelsicle? I've got to know. How... How did, does Nelson do? Uh, is he all, like myself, a big fan of you know cold plunges, ice baths, those sorts of things? Uh, and so maybe this is a term he's used before when he turns himself into a Nelsicle. I I don't know. I don't know how they're going to be Nelsicles. I don't know how Emmy or Big T is going to transform into Nelson uh, in frozen form during the elimination. But I do know that I love the quote, and I'm giving him the quote of the week for creativity and originality and general. What the fuck was did he just say? Um, that deserves the win for quote of the week. As for episode MVP, there's only two people that even received any votes. Big T has to be said. Everything we just said about her for the best moment uh, is the reason why, you know, very Big T heavy episode and sad to see her go for the second time, for the real time this time. Love, love, love Big T. But she can't win the episode MVP because the only one that can is Emmy, 
We talked at length about her before. 4-0 in eliminations, dominating. She's won all styles of eliminations. She's faced a wide range of competitors in those eliminations. She is now the one, you know, consoling CT. She is the one getting the reverence from TJ back to her. She is the rookie of the year, as they all say. And this is an Emmy-centric episode. She holds herself really well. And should be said, for the fourth time after winning, you know, she breaks down in tears, gets down on the ground, does what we come to know is her celebration, uh, the, the standard Emmy celebration, you know, yelling to the sky for grandma and Romania and everything. And the third time I saw it, I was actually like, all right, come on, like, let's act like you've been here a little more before. The fourth time, I'm all the way back to this is amazing and I love every bit of it. And maybe it's because we got to hear a little bit more beforehand of, you know, the I, I just think about my grandma. I want to make her proud. She's in heaven. I'm looking up to her. And so it made that then tied the moment at the end together a little better. I don't know, but I liked it. Celebrate all you want because you are absolutely kicking some ass all season long and you are the episode MVP. That is Emmy. That is our awards. Let's move into the final segment of the pod and talk power rankings and predictions for the last two episodes. Only two episodes left of this season of Spies, Lies, and Allies. To the power rankings, we go, and uh, as we've done the last handful of weeks, we're going to talk teams first briefly and then kind of a, an individual, but it's more so teams at this point because we are getting more and more confident that we are going to run this final as teams, even if the predictions we will go through momentarily, we predicted it would go back to individual. TJ did do one of his kind of classic TJ not quite a full-on cliffhanger, but also I'm going to allude to something weird's about to happen. Maybe there's a chance you're not in teams anymore. Who knows? But we referenced a few times throughout this episode, uh, Sapphire and Ruby are tied for the lead for me. If I had to if I had to nitpick here and say one, two, and three, Sapphire, Ruby, Emerald. Sapphire, get the edge, just CT is on the team. Um, but again, I, as I mentioned before, I think Emerald, if they ran the final right now as they stand, there's still, we we assume, one more male to be eliminated to bring the number down to a, a 10 total people, um, five and five. But if they ran it right now, five, three, three, I like the, the trio that Sapphire and Ruby have better than the quintet or whatever you would call a five-person group um, that the Emerald cell has. You know, Emerald's got kind of Casey as their one, like, real super player and then maybe a Manuel who we know is very very fast and a great athlete we don't it seems like endurance wise he held up as well as anyone in this daily so maybe they've got two you know kind of aces on their team um but CT Kyle and Emmy I'll say it again is a fearsome team to go against and a Tory Nelson and Logan is a fearsome team to go against I could envision a world where next episode the last elimination is you know if Sapphire wins, then we maybe see a Logan Emanuel, and if Logan wins, he takes Kyle's spot, or Manuel wins, he goes back, and now Ruby's just Tori and Nelson running solo. Um, but one way or the other, I think Sapphire, Ruby, Emeralds, where the team standings stand as far as the male and female individual standings. Well, on the male side, it's CT1, Nelson 2, and then Kyle, Devin, Logan, Emmanuel all tied for third, and that is strictly based on, I would imagine, with one more um, one more to go elimination here, that CT is not going in that elimination. There is no single way. No one's calling him out um, and possibly going to try to lose to him. Um, no, he's not 
throwing himself in to try to switch teams. He, there's just no way he's going in. No one's picking him and pissing him off. Maybe someone would pick him. Maybe this would be the one time where Emerald and Devin would say, hey, there's no more game left, so we might as well at least take one shot. Let's throw him in versus Nelson and see if Nelson can beat him or whatever. Um, but I just don't think he's going in. I don't think Nelson's going in. That's why they are one and two, and then the other four are just tied for third. No differentiator of, I feel like, all four of Kyle, Devin, Logan, and Manuel have a, a good, as equal chance of you know being either safe or not safe for the next elimination and being chosen to go into the elimination between those four, hard to differentiate. So CT and Nelson above the other four, that's where they stand. On the female side, we assume all of these women have made the final at this point, so there's not even really a ranking other than I'm going to put Emmy number one just because she almost without a doubt is running a final with CT on her team, and she has proven herself to a degree that that's just a duo. I don't want to see in a final. And so I'm going to give her the edge and, you know, even more than the MVP of the episode, we're going to let her be number one all by herself, remove Casey from the top of the rankings for the first time, I believe almost the entire season. And then everyone else is tied for number two. Cause again, they're all going to the final. They're all there. They're all winning and all three teams are good. It is a pretty balanced affair. I'm not all I would pick Sapphire or Ruby over Emerald. I'm not saying uh, that it's some big gap. I think any of those three teams could easily win. And so everyone's tied, but Emmy gets to, for the one, the last week here, be number one ahead of everyone else. As for the predictions, we are now at one, two, three, four, five, six predictions, right? We added one this week, and that is, well, I guess we we technically shouldn't. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but we predicted Nani would not see an elimination. We are going to assume that that is now correct. So that is the sixth we have got right. We have got four wrong. We have one, two, three, four, five still in play. Those that are still in play to be decided as CT is going to win. Still feel great about that. Devin will not see an elimination. That one, we're, we're on the verge of, you know, it very well could happen, but we're very, very close to that one being correct. The final challenge will be individual, not in teams. I think I got that wrong the moment I said it. CT and Tori will end up on the same team for the final. think that's going to be a loser now. I felt really great about that. I thought that was one of my best predictions all season long, and I don't doesn't look like that's going to happen. And then the last one we ever made, the 15th and final one we made, Nelson is going to fucking win the whole dang thing. Hopefully that happens. I'm still I'm still pulling for that. I want to see I want to see Nelly T be a challenge champion. That would be the best ending to the season. I think that we could have. We will see if any of those others become true. But we're six and four right now, feeling good about our record. We feel like we're easily. We just got to get to eight to be over 500. I think we're going to get to eight one way or the other. Not adding any predictions because again, it's too late in the season for that. We kind of already know everything that I could predict. So those are your predictions. Those are your power rankings. That is your podcast. I will once again say thank you guys all so much for being here. I hope that those celebrating a holiday today or tomorrow or whenever you're listening to this have a wonderful time, eat a bunch of wonderful food. Make sure you've got a whole long weekend ahead of you here. Go over onto that YouTube, check out that pitch for the Challenge Generations, the greatest season there ever could be. That is up and live now, so go check that out. Again, YouTube exclusive, Challenge Historian. Search Jacob Hollaball, search Challenge Historian, search Greatest Challenge Season Ever, a pitch. That is the title. You will find it. You hit the subscribe 
subscribe button there so you don't miss future episodes. If you like watching podcasts versus listening to them or just like listening on YouTube, if that's your thing, all these pods are always available there. And of course, wherever you are listening to this pod, if it is a Spotify, an Apple, anywhere else, hit the follow, subscribe button, hit that rate and review. Five stars only, please, and thank you. Those help so, so much. And as always, Challenge Historian on Instagram. That's where you find the kind of bulk of our content and are always pointed towards the content alerts when that content is coming out. So follow us there. Thank you so very much for being here. I hope you have a wonderful holiday, a wonderful long weekend. We will be back one more time by the end of this week. Again, the All-Stars 2 recap will be coming. It'll just maybe be coming about 12 to 20 hours later than normal instead of early Thursday. We'll be doing this Thursday night or early Friday morning, so that'll be out. Then we'll be back to our regular schedule, non-holiday schedule next week. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope to talk to you again soon. Until then, peace. Bye.